This is Dr. Wendy Walsh, and you're listening to KFI AM640, the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show, on demand on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I'd like to welcome my Instagram audience. If you would like to come on into the studio and see what we're doing, just log on to Instagram. The handle is at Dr. Wendy Walsh, at Dr. Wendy Walsh. Uh, also, I put the phone number up there because after this segment, I'm going to be taking your relationship questions for my drive-by makeshift relationship advice. So, but first, I have to talk about this show, The Idol. Okay, so uh, h- hang on there, um, Stefan, Stefan. Uh, I'm going to tell you when to throw to this sound. But first, I want to tell you the story. So my daughter was really into this show, Euphoria. I didn't know how bad you said I love Euphoria, Kayla. I do love Euphoria. Okay, it's every parent's worst nightmare. It's a story of a group of teenagers, each doing their own excess version of drugs, drink, and sex. It's full of unbridled party scenes and very, very poor choices for teenagers. Okay. Well, it was so successful that the director, Sam Levinson, became the hot, hot, hot director, producer. And so HBO then got him to do The Idol. Stefan, let's listen to a bit of The Idol. Last, truly nasty, nasty, bad pop girl. Not the best job in the world. Should be having way more fun. I like you. It's really like unlocked something in me. She's had a tough year. The press has been brutal. Hello, Angel. Was it Sophie? She took a picture. That was yeah. You could tell by the angle. I mean, it's it's kind of it's like a. She was on her knees. Pop music is like the ultimate Trojan horse. You get people to dance. You get people to sing along. Come on, give me more. I'm gonna be the biggest touring act ever. Brainwasher. I promise you, there's a new Jocelyn coming. All right. Okay, so if you didn't figure it out, this is about a music idol uh, called The Idol. And she's like the top star everywhere. And she meets a guy in L.A. who's a nightclub owner. And he is nasty, sexy, manipulative, dominating, gets very cult-like, becomes Bengali of her. She has very few choices in her own life. Um, so it just came out. It's on HBO. It's called The Idol. I'm not promoting it. I'm telling you, don't watch it if you're a woman. I'm just saying. Why are you rolling your eyes, Kayla? Because you make me want to watch after after you talk about it. Okay, so on it, it just came out, but back on March 1st, Rolling Stone magazine published online a headline that said this: Production Hell, The Idol, how HBO's next euphoria became twisted torture. Porn. Uh-huh. And now they're saying that it has gone disgustingly off the rails. By the way, it stars, and I think he's one of the executive producers, The Weekend. What's The Weekend's real name? Abel. Abel something. Abel. He's probably another Toronto guy. Like a Drake, right? Another Toronto guy. Uh, anyway, uh, Rolling Stone called it the sleaziest love story in all of Hollywood. Now, I do have to say Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Depp, I have never seen such incredible acting. I mean, she is Super, super, super talented, but I don't know if she's going to. Okay, so here's what Rolling Stone said on March 1st. You got to listen to this. They basically said that there was a female director 
and that the director Amy Simons, did I say her name right? She, from the Girlfriend Experience, and she dies tomorrow. And then before it was even finished being shot, she left the production. We don't know all the circumstances of that. Uh, but then the Idol was set to have a major creative overhaul, according to Rolling Stone, uh, and would be adjusting their cast and crew. There was very little explanation for the shakeup. Um, however, the weekend felt the show was heading too much into the female perspective. That's a quote from Rolling Stone, the female perspective. Okay, now it didn't come out till June. This was on March 1st. So the same day, how did the Idol producers respond? They dropped this sneak peek of the Idol on the very same day. So Rolling Stone came back to us about a cover, and I think it's worth pursuing. Rolling Stone? Are they a little irrelevant? It's a cover. It's a heritage brand. I think it's fail-safe. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it might be kind of past its prime. You know what I mean? Yeah, nobody cares about Rolling Stone. Um, well, I know a few writers over there that I think would handle whatever we want to do with them in a really careful way, which I think is important at this point. Rolling Stone has six million followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Half of them probably bots. Well, I don't know about that. And Jocelyn has 78 million followers. <laughs> I am aware of her follower count. All real. Yeah. I'd assume. Mm -hmm. So she does a photo shoot. She tags them. They get her followers. More money for Rolling Stone. Uh -huh. Nothing for Jocelyn. Oh. <laughs> that was an online swat back, right, from the producers of The Idol. Okay, let me tell you. I only saw the first episode, so I'll be honest. Does it get any better? In the first three minutes, this young actress... Mas masturbates herself, well, maybe the first episode, maybe not the first three minutes, uh, masturbates while choking herself. Okay, can we just, we've been talking about female orgasm, we've been talking about the research. The research shows that aggression is more likely to be comorbid combined with male sexuality than it is female sexuality, right? Because in order to achieve a male orgasm, they have to have heightened testosterone. You will hear uh, men say, oh, she was so hot, I didn't know whether to fight her or F her, right? Because they're having the surge of testosterone that brings this feeling of aggression as well. This choking phenomenon in our culture right now, I'm sorry, I'm getting on a soapbox, has come from the porn industry of which men have consumed. And then men have taught it to women, just like in our last segment, when we had the researcher on from the Kinsey Institute, and she was saying that men are telling women they should be having orgasms, when now we know 85% of women at least can't have a vaginal orgasm and maybe as much as 10% never have an orgasm in their whole life. There's nothing wrong with them. It's anatomy. It's physiology. That's all it is, right? And so in the same sense, men are saying, well, you should like this, right? That's what you like. Now, the other thing I hated about this first episode of The Idol, and again, they're trying to be satirical. They're trying to be critical of the industry, the music industry that, you know, preys on young things and is highly sexual. But they actually do a deep dive into it, exploiting women. They make it worse than ever. So there's a conversation between like a publicist and an agent, you know, some of the entourage. And, uh, and of course, they get a woman to say this, an older woman to say this. OK, this line was written by a man. She says mental health, poor mental health can be very sexy. And they're like, what? Poor mental health can't be sexy. And then she says, and I'm not quoting verbatim, I'm paraphrasing here, something like, yeah, because a girl like that wouldn't have sex with you unless she had poor mental health. So that's sexy. <gasps> like in other words, 
if you have poor mental health, you have weak boundaries and potentially you're re-injuring yourself or you're medicating yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, you're medicating yourself with frequent multiple partners that you really don't want. Okay, that bothered me about it. The choking stuff, the porn, it was just a way to bring porn to the masses. And remember, the group that followed, the audience that followed were teenage girls who came off euphoria. Because the way my daughter presented to me is, Mom, will you watch this new show with me? It's written, it's written and produced by the guy from Euphoria. It's going to be like Euphoria. Now, Euphoria was a parent's nightmare, all on its own, with teenagers, okay? And so all those teenage girls followed into this show. This is a show of a deep abuse of a woman. And I know they say they're trying to comment on it as a negative thing, but they're doing it. They're exploiting it and they're not. And, and if it is true, if Rolling Stone was correct, that they got rid of a female director and got rid of female writers and they thought it was making too much of a female perspective. Why are we watching this? Why did this get made? I'm sorry. I'm ranting. It's very important. Uh, very, very important that we talk about this. All right. When we come back, I am going to be taking your calls. So give us a call. 1-800-520-1KFI. That's one 800 520 one five three four. If you have a comment about uh, the weekend and uh, the idol, you're welcome to, to, to challenge me on that. It's a terrible show. It's doing more harm than good. This is not entertainment and art. This is porn disguised as something okay for teenagers. Just saying that. But if you have a relationship question, I'll give you my drive-by makeshift relationship advice. One eight hundred five two zero one KFI. Talk to producer Kayla. She'll screen the call. That's one eight hundred five two zero. One five three four. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM six forty. You're listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh on demand from KFI AM six forty. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show, and I am taking your calls. I'd like to welcome my TikTok audience. If you'd like to come on into the studio and see what we're doing here, just come on to TikTok. My handle is at Dr. Wendy Walsh at Dr. Wendy Walsh. Okay. Uh, disclaimer here. I'm not a therapist. I'm a psychology professor. However, I myself am personally obsessed with the science of love. I've written three books on relationships. I did a dissertation on attachment theory. I'm a survivor of, no, a beneficiary of many, many years of therapy myself. I've been therapized for a long time, and I'm happy to share my personal wisdom with you. Think of me as an old auntie. Okay. Uh, Producer Kayla, oh, if people want to call in, the number's 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. And if you're watching online, download the iHeartRadio app, and then you can hear both sides of the conversation, the Dr. Wendy Wall Show. Okay, Producer Kayla, who do we have? No Producer Kayla on mic. Sorry, we have Kevin with a comment. Okay, Kevin with a comment. I bet it's about what I said about the idol. Hey, Kevin. Hey, doctor, what's going on? How are you? I'm great. Um, I just want to say firsthand, I've been around a lot of these women in the industry, and I completely disagree with the character in the show. A lot of these women are powerful women. They own their career. They own their power, and they do not act like that. Um, I think some of it's a little far-fetched. Um, I do think uh, they overdo it sometimes. I mean, you look at somebody like Taylor Swift. She owns her career. She's a boss. Beyonce's a boss, Ariana's a boss, so I kind of see I see that kind of risk, kind of a slap in the face of some of those some of those women. I agree with and you. I just think some of this overdone. As a guy, I was watching. I was like, 
too much, just kind of cringeworthy. And it's, it is cringeworthy. And you know what? I don't think yeah. actually, Kevin, that it's reality that anybody who would achieve that level would have that, oh, that's manipulation that, like that. right? Yeah. Would that have that degree of dysfunction? What I'm worried about is all the up and comers, all the wannabes, all the ones who are working hard. They're the ones who are often manipulated and hurt. And as you know, you know, for somebody to gain fame in Hollywood or in the music industry, it's like one in a million. And everybody's talented. Everybody's talented. And so that's what yeah. disturbs me. Is that? And also, I just Absolutely. young girls watching the show, like you don't. You don't let yourself get manipulated by that, and you don't choke yourself when you're masturbating. I, I, don't, I don't like the idol. I'm not a big fan, but you're right. I, I, not a good example. Yeah, definitely. And I'm all for female empowerment. Um, you know, these women, they're, they're role models. And I think we're at a place in, in, in music where women are owning their rights. They're owning their, 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 their catalog. And I just think you look at somebody like Taylor who sold her catalog, made almost a billion dollars off of that. I mean, this is, this, is, this is the time when we should be celebrating women for the bosses that they are. And I just think the show's a little bit too much to the sexual side. And I just don't yeah. think a woman like that would get manipulated by somebody like that. No, so she would be too powerful too and much. strong. Thank you for calling, Kevin. Good comment. Absolutely. I totally agree you with got you. got it. Okay, producer Kayla, who do we have next? We have Josette with a question. Josette. Hi, Josette, with a question. It's Dr. Wendy. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Wendy. Oh, my God, I love your show. I just, like, I'm addicted. Aww. I listen to it all day at work. So, oh, thank I'm, you. I'm learning so much from you. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, my question is, so I've been separated from my husband for three years. Mm-hmm. For the first two years, well, actually, maybe, like, four, two years of the ending of the marriage or our separation, and two years into it, I kept telling him, let's work on it, let's go counseling. How can we fix this? So you weren't fully separated, right, emotionally. Exactly. So I finally did my work. I've been in therapy for like six years already. So I did my work and I realized, okay, fine. If he don't want that, I can make him want to be married or whatever. But now now that he knows that I'm dating He's coming around and saying, oh, let's work on it. I'm, you know, I realize what I have, you know, what I lost, and I didn't appreciate you or tell you I take you for granted. So I met him for lunch today because I haven't seen him for, like, two years. He wanted me for lunch to talk. So I'm Uh-oh. like, okay, fine, whatever. So we went and talked. So I don't know, like, to believe him. Okay, so, Josette, I'm your old auntie here talking with lots of life experience. Yeah. I want to teach you how to say two words to him. Those two okay. words are, too late. You missed your moment. That's, too late. Exactly. Because That's listen, even if he changes, he could <clears throat> it's is not going to last for long because what happens with relationships is they're a little like a drug. You think, "Okay, I'm fine now. I'm over that drug." And then you take one taste of it and you're fully into addiction again, right? A, a relationship yeah. is a a way of being for your, for your brain. And unless the two of you go to like couples therapy together from the beginning and learn new ways of interacting, you're going to fall into the old patterns pretty quickly. And that's what I told him. I go, we need to go to marriage counseling or something. If you want to try to work from the beginning, you need a wingman, a licensed therapist. Otherwise, you need to say too late, dude, move on. That's what I would say. Josette, thank you so much for calling. Uh, All right. If you'd like to call in, the number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. Okay, Producer Kayla, who do we have next? We have Josh with a question. Josh. Hi, Josh. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi there, uh, Dr. 
So nice talking, finally talking to you. I've been listening to you forever. Oh, thank you. So, um, <laughs> so pretty much, um, I've been married now for two years. How many? Two and, years, uh, did you say? Yeah, two years. Two okay, years. got it. And uh, it's come to a point in my uh, in our sexual life with my my wife that uh, she does not like to explore. She doesn't like to. Um, try new things. Uh huh. And I don't if, know if it's me pushing and if it's me just. She's she always it's always like you need more time, give me more time, or let's let's take it slowly. But I don't I don't know if it's me. I don't know. Okay, so I've got some answers for you, Josh. Do you remember earlier in the show when I talked about how the research shows that men want more sex than women, and most heterosexual couples end up compromising? So let's talk about frequency first. You got to have a sexual contract, kind of a deal, a loving deal that says, honey, I want it every day. You want it once a week. How about twice a week? And you find your compromise. The next thing you do is, uh, and this is one of my favorite tricks that I learned from a couple that were married 30 years. Whenever they thought of a new fun thing to do in the bedroom, they would write it down on a piece of paper and they would put it in a bowl. And then on Friday nights, they would pull something out of that bowl. And they would agree to do to it, to do it, right? Something different. Again, it's okay to have sexual boundaries. If she, there's certain things she doesn't want, like every guy wants, it seems to be lately, a third partner, not going to happen, all right? She can say no. So she can have boundaries, but you've got to talk together about your sex life as an investment. It's an investment in the future. And both of you can pay into that investment. All right, we have to go to break. Thanks for calling, Josh. You're listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh. On demand from KFI AM 640. You have the Dr. Wendy Wells show. Reminder, I am a psychology professor and a huge fan and journalist when it comes to the science of love. I've written three books on relationships. I did my dissertation on attachment theory, and I'm happy to personally weigh in on your love life, but I'm not a therapist. Okay, so if you have a question, give us a call. The number is 1-800-520-1-KFI. That's one 800 Five two zero one five three four. Okay, producer Kayla, who do we have next? We have Chris with a comment. Chris with a comment. Hi, Chris. It's Dr. Wendy. God, I'm so glad you had the lady on before that was a researcher because when I was, I'm 71. You're so 71 years old. You sound like you're 25, Chris. Wow. I know. <laughs> well, I have a, a voice like that, but um, I used to. I remember in college, I would ask the girls. You know, I was in the gymnastics team, so I'd say, well. Um, what about sex, climaxing? And they'd all go, oh, yeah, what? And yeah, yeah. They wouldn't tell me anything. No, they would lie to like, each other I, about it because they all thought they were supposed yeah. to be having orgasms. Yeah. Yes, and I couldn't understand. Would somebody tell me something? Because I don't understand why I can't do that. And so pornography taught me some things about sex. That's the way I learned about it. Interesting. You're one of the rare women who had a positive experience with pornography, but it taught you how to orgasm something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, using your own hand or manipulation to have a climax, because otherwise I didn't know how to figure it out. Because the thinking was back then that you were supposed to females were supposed to have an orgasm during Mm -hmm. intercourse. Mm -hmm. And now we Mm -hmm. know somewhere between four Mm -hmm. and 14 percent of women can have Mm -hmm. an orgasm Mm -hmm. during intercourse. But it has to do mm-hmm. just with their anatomy and where the clitoris is, the clitoris is in comparison to their their vagina. I, I mean, it's 
amazing that we've kept this a secret that as many as 15% of women will never have an orgasm in their life and there's nothing wrong with them and yet we diagnosed women for decades and decades and decades as non-orgasmic as a psychological disorder that there was something wrong with the way they were thinking Chris I'm glad you called I'm glad you found your orgasm <laughs> through pornography uh, okay producer Kayla who do we have next we have Tim with a question Tim hello Tim it's Dr. Wendy Hey, Dr. Wendy, I'm a big fan. Been listening for a long time. Oh, thank you. So my question is, you're welcome. My question is, how do you think that social, which is the most misnomer, social media mm -hmm. is affecting young girls and young men today? Oh, well, I read the research Both on this all the time, Tim. It is the highest contributor to depression in teenage girls. The research that's coming out is continued and continued. Um, it is contributing to eating disorders, to body dysmorphia ideas, to uh, poor body image, uh, to difficulty having healthy relationships. Look, I teach on a college campus. I have been teaching for eight years. In the first few years, my freshmen right out of high school um, could talk to each other. Now I see this level of social anxiety I put them into discussion groups to solve a problem and talk to, and they're staring at their phones. I mean, they can't even talk to each other. I am very concerned about social media. I do feel like we've reached some kind of like peak. You know, it's like I, I, when tobacco came on the market and doctors were prescribing it, saying it was good for your lungs and breathing. And then, you know, everyone got lung cancer and heart disease and they went, oh, maybe tobacco is the problem. And I think that that's where we are now in social media. The research is coming out. And I think even yo some young people are starting to understand that it's not good for them. But excellent question, Tim. So one quick, uh, go ahead. One, one quick pull up, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. real quick. So what do you think about the litigation coming about? What litigation? Who's suing who? Litigation where they're suing, uh, I think, Twitter and Facebook and what have you about social media issues. Who's suing them? And how it's affecting children. Who's suing them? Private, somebody in the private sector or the government? I think the government is. Oh, I'll have to do some reading on that. I'm not sure what litigation we're talking about, the specific litigation. But uh, you know what? If they can prove causality. I mean, I, you know, one of my other many jobs is I do law lawyer ads, uh, uh, television ads for law firms. And I have done ads saying, uh, you know, has your child, you know, attempted suicide? Has your child suffered from depression or an eating disorder um, after chronic use of social media? So you can hire a lawyer and go after them. I don't know if you can win, but you can go. I mean, uh, they wouldn't be doing commercials if they weren't winning. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so, yeah, I think the one way that America works, and I learned this a long time ago when I moved to America, I used to think that lawyers had that reputation for, you know, just going after the money, et cetera, et cetera. But then I learned that the way the system works is, you know, America and governments make the law, but they often rely on lawyers to enforce the law. And then it is in the court that things start to take place. But yes, social media, not good. Um, thanks for calling, Tim. All right, speaking of social media, <laughs> let's go to some of the DMs you guys have sent to me. How, how many minutes do I have left? Do I, are we, two minutes, great. Okay, so let me get to this. A um, couple things. One is I just noticed on TikTok, uh, someone named Sammy sent the question saying, how does a therapist use a dating app in their own city? Now, I want you to understand what's behind the question. What's really important for therapists is that they never have any overlap in their personal life 
and the other. And, you know, if, if your therapist sees you in public, they're not being rude when they don't say hello. The ethical rule is to not acknowledge a patient in public unless they acknowledge you first. And the reason why is because some people still have stigma about mental health services. I don't know why. I don't have stigma. I talk about it all day long. But some people do. The other thing is you're not supposed to be socializing with your patients. You're not supposed to be socializing with um, the friends of your patients or family members of your patients because that can be a conflict of interest, right? You, they need to feel safe and protected and have complete confidentiality. So Sammy's question is, how does a therapist go on a dating app? Because all their patients are going to see them. Well, I'll say this. When I was on Bumble, and that's where I met my beautiful Julio, that's where I met my boyfriend, um, I saw a lot of celebrities on there. And then I found out, this is a funny little aside, you know how the algorithm on all these apps figures out like who you are, what you kind of look like, what your age group is, and they present you to people in clumps, right? So I went out on two or three or four coffee get dates with different guys, and they told me that, that they had just gone, you know, had a conversation or texted with or gone on a coffee date with Sharon Stone. So apparently the algorithm thinks Sharon Stone and I are the same type. I mean, we have blonde hair and we're contemporaries, peer-wise, so age-wise. So maybe that's why. Uh, I thought that was very funny. So this is what you should know, Sammy. Don't match with your patients. Don't put too much personal information in your profile. Uh, you can say, I'm a psychotherapist living in da-da-da, whatever. Um, don't get into chit-chat with them and they'll just pass on by. Like I was on dating apps and I would see friends and even relatives. and You just pass on by. Just pass on by. Just swipe away. Just keep going. I think you'll be fine. Um, all right. When we come back, I am going to continue to take your calls. And if you want to send me a DM on social media, I'll be answering some of your social media questions. A reminder, uh, I'm not a therapist. I'm a psychology professor. I do have a PhD in clinical psychology. I've written three books on relationships, and my dissertation was on attachment theory. You're listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh, on demand from KFI AM 640. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I'm taking your calls. 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. Okay, Producer Kayla, who do we got? We have Nick with a question. Nick. Hello, Nick. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Uh, that was fast. <laughs> so I'm in a relationship for three years, one of those COVID relationships. Uh -huh. You know, it was different back. It was different back then. You know, we started in the height of COVID. In fact, that's how I met her through my sister, who's a therapist. Ah. I'm dating one of her clients. So, oh dear. Uh, but I gave her COVID before we started dating. Oh my! And that's the gift said, that keeps on giving. Look at that. Well, you know what it did for my sister? She got long hours, but I gave it to oh. her, too. Oh, but dear. my girlfriend didn't get sick like I didn't. We got a cold. But she okay. got to get away from people, and she liked it. So now it's three years later, and I don't spend the night. I don't like – I've had trouble since 1990 falling asleep next to somebody, well, a woman in bed. Interesting. And it's so, an issue. And so, and yeah, I'm it's, at the age now, it's a long time ago, I'm at the age now where I don't want to change. I like uh, the separate bedroom thing. Okay, know? so you don't live together. Is that what you're saying? At this point, Nick, you're not no, living together? you got a beautiful place. Okay. No, I got, I'm in And so home, you go over, you spend the evening with her, you have intimate time, and then you go home. Is that right? Yes. And yes. how does she feel about that? She's good until she's not. 
Right. <laughs> right. So the problem is kind of first. Uh, so yeah. relationships are about compromise, right? There's no one right way to be a human. And there are some people that, you know, just can't sleep well beside somebody or they have uh, sensory issues. They don't want the touch or whatever. Uh, I will just share with you that I am a terrible snorer, as both my parents were. And my sweet Julio tells me, since he's a New Yorker, it's just like background noise for him. He's used to a noisy room. So he gets through it. But I know that 25% of marriages in America, they sleep in separate rooms or separate beds. So it, it's not abnormal. The problem is trying to find the compromise that will work for both of you. And that means it might mean you, you know, staying over once in a while to help her feel secure in the relationship because you don't want her feeling so skin lonely that she steps out on you or something. Right. So you have to figure out what's going to work to feed the relationship. Relationships are an investment for both of you and you constantly have to put into it. Now, if you say to me, I don't ever want to change and too bad for her. Then that says, I don't really care about this relationship. And if she leaves me, she leaves me. Um, and that's for you to figure out. But I think the two of you should find a compromise if you can. Nick, thanks for calling. Okay, who do we have next? I'm still screening. Oh, social. she's still talking. Okay, let me go to social media because I heard a really good question I just read here. Dear Dr. Wendy, last week, this is from Instagram. Last week, you talked about parental alienation. That's when... Uh, often the ex-wife will turn children against the dad, the divorced dad. I wanted to know about child alienation. I'm curious, not criticizing your show, which I love. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm 57. My parents divorced when I was 11. My dad remarried and inherited two stepdaughters. He died three years ago, and I'm still waiting for his love. Oh, breaks my heart. He basically told me he'd found a new family, and he gave them priority. Um, understandable to a degree. No, it's not understandable. No. Um, especially since he could have as many wives as, uh, but he's my only father. Uh, it's just, isn't it just, if not more damaging? Absolutely. So I want to be clear, the parental alienation that I was talking about that exes often do to each other damages the kids, right? That's what it's about, the kids. And in the same way, a parent rejecting or abandoning their child damages the kid. I am so sorry you went through this. I do believe that if you go to therapy and work with a licensed therapist to help yourself work through these feelings of loss, these feelings of longing, and to raise your self-esteem, because this is what happens when a parent abandons a child, the child feels like they're unlovable or that somehow it's their fault. And you've got to find a way to get over that. And working with a therapist is one way to do it. I'm sorry this happened to you. All right. Are you ready for me? No, she's still on the phone chat. Yeah, chatting. I see her chatting. She's hearing somebody's story. All right. Uh, dear Dr. Wendy, um, I feel like every time I'm in a new relationship, I lose myself more and more. I feel like I have nothing left to give. Can a person be completely done with dating and relationships? No. What you're done with is being a doormat. What you're done with is having no boundaries. What you're done with is losing yourself to somebody else's wants and needs. And when you hit that point, then you can finally say no. And that doesn't mean no to all relationships. It means no to being taken advantage of. That means no to people that walk all over you. I want you to find your voice. I want you to be stronger in your next relationship. Every relationship, we grow, we get better and better. It's all about practice. 
All right. Who do we have next? Producer Kayla? We have Bob with a question. Okay. Hi, Bob. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Um, I have a mobility um, problem. I have Parkinson's. Ah, And my caretaker, my my caretaker is my wife. And she's been doing this um, uh, caretaking for um, probably 15 years now. Um, she, She says that that um, she will make love with me if I'm her husband and not the person that she's taking care of. Um, we've, been married, we've been married for 42 years. And oh. I, want, I want to know um, about um, uh, how I reason with her about having sex. Okay, so she's saying because you're her patient, she has trouble in her brain turning you into her husband. Is that right. what you're saying? Yeah. Um, this would be a great thing for the two of you to work together in couples therapy. What I will tell you from my own personal experience, and I've said this over and over, is that we all have sexual needs, no matter what our mobility or health issues are, because sex isn't just about an orgasm. Well, as we learned earlier in the show, for women, it's not it's rarely about that. Uh, but it's about an exchange of care, and that care can be physical care. It can be the care of touch. When we touch each other, our bodies emit a host of neurohormones, oxytocin, dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, all these feel-good hormones that can help the relationship thrive. If she can understand that you both are allowed to have your needs and that part of love is an exchange of care. Of course, she's probably suffering from caregiver exhaustion, which is a real thing. And this is the stuff that you want to talk about in therapy. If there's another way for you to find another caregiver for some times so that she can have a break, then maybe she might be, you know, it's very common for men to say, I come home from work and my wife's too tired after taking care of the house all day and the kids and doing all that. And then she doesn't want to have sex. Well, yeah, get her a babysitter or a housekeeper and then see how things will change. Um, I mean, we, we all can only go so far before we get depleted. But thank you for sharing that, Bob. I hope you do enter couples therapy with your wife. Okay, when we come back, let's talk about if you're in a relationship, what you can do today to make it better. Six love hacks to do with your partner today. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You've been listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640 from 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.